Welcome to Broad Ideas. Now on video. Now on video. <laughs> Rob's so excited. And yeah. pretty. And he got thrilled. his quaff, everything. Yeah. yeah. I came, he walked cam- in. came camera ready today. You did. He walked in and I was like, why do you look so dapper? And why do you look so good? He's like, I gotta be on video. <laughs> can't wear my hat. He can't wear his hat anymore. His staple. What happens if you wear your hat? I'm gonna try it. Okay. So I've thought about trying it at times. Me too. A hat, pulling off a hat. And then putting the headphones over. Yeah, because you know, sometimes Can't you, you hide put the, the headphones hair. like that and oh. have it go down like and you? just be like super swag. If you want to call that swag. Yeah. I call it swag. We're gonna try it. We'll We're find also out not a, yeah. wearing headphones. We're not. Shit. <laughs> it's all right. We're gonna roll with it. But who's our first guest? Our first guest. Okay. Now, I mean, no disrespect at all to all of the amazing guests we've had because we have had so many. But. I am going to go out on a limb here and say this probably was my favorite conversation because it was so beautiful. I won't give too much away. I may have teared up. Four times. More than one time. (laughs) Olivia as well. Major fans. Roy Choi, who is a chef known for his Kogi truck here in LA, which is phenomenal. And um, he's an incredible person. Like his food, obviously, it's made with love. Like I can't say enough good things about this. Your love language, food. We also can't stop talking about him. We can't stop talking about him. You know how many, I have told this story. I'm like, me too. I had the best conversation. Like I was totally (laughs) geeked out over this conversation. Like I just... There was a lot of love. A lot of love. A lot of love. A lot of love. So I'm going to stop talking and we're going to let Roy talk. Let you love him. Yep. Let me love you. Sometimes when the world feels insane, you can take a little peek inside of Rachel's little brain. All these thoughts are swirling round and round inside. To join us on this journey as we take a little ride. We'll talk about dogs and kids and things. We'll talk about chicks and tampon strings. We'll talk about boys that make you cry. We'll talk about death because people die. Okay, let's start with the first um, thing I heard that I didn't know if it was a chef hack uh-huh. or just a cooking hack, but to use a can to pound and, you know, tenderize your chicken chicken. cut. Yeah. Do you use the, uh, you learned it from a friend? Yes. Do you you use like the can on its side or? On its side. On its side, Because otherwise it's uneven. Yeah, otherwise you get rings on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When did you make chicken (laughs) chicken chicken cutlets cutlets with him? (laughs) Was I there? I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember the tip. And so I was wondering if. She remembers the tip. Yes. Yeah. But do you hear the way that sounds? Oh. Yeah, I know. That's all she remembers. Well, I'm like, wait, yeah. you were making chicken cutlets with him, but all you remember is the tip. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, you know, and I think about it often because when uh-huh. I use a tenderizer and it just like murders my chicken, mm-hmm. I feel oh. like maybe the can might be the way to go. It seems like it, yeah. Would you use a can? I, I only use the tip, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I only use it. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you prefer that or a tenderizer? Uh, we use, we use, uh, 
you know, in a professional kitchen, we have our own set of tools. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like asking a surgeon, do they use a scissor? You know, right. like we have like our right. own type of scissors. So we have like our own like mallets and things like that, just like contractors do. And everyone does. We have like our own special set of I want set yours. Of tools. Uh, yes, you can get them at, <laughs> you can get them at restaurant supply stores anywhere. Uh, <laughs> I need to know. They're all usually the flat. The they're usually uh, they usually have flat heads and they're made out of like one piece of uh, constructed like stainless or metal. Or they don't something. have the spikes. They, you can use the spikes, but that was, that's for a very specific purpose. That's for like making oh, like what? Uh, the spikes are mostly for like making like chicken fried steak or something. Like really? That. Yeah. Oh. Like a cutlet. I like to pound extremely thin and smooth yeah so very much like you would make um any par- chicken parmesan or a mm. tonkatsu or a chicken mm. cutlet but um the one with the spikes on it yeah that's uh it's very that's specific. for chicken fried steak it's very specific this is really good to hear this is mm-hmm. good. i have a million questions. i love to cook so yes <laughs> yeah. of course oh, i'm like okay, oh yeah, yeah 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 like all of the cooking and the chef stuff is always fascinating to me but first we want how did this all like happen for you. Cooking? Yeah. Or was it something like you yeah, yeah. This podcast. <laughs> How did you get here and why? Yeah. You're asking yourself why I'm yeah, here. Yeah, why am I here? <laughs> I had no idea you guys knew who I was. I'm like, when of Rob course. kept telling me like uh, you wanted to book me as a guest, I'm like, they want to book me as Absolutely. Me? Yes. Are you kidding? Uh, of course I know who you are, even yeah. if I haven't tried cooking, which I yeah. need to. I definitely incredible. of course know who you are. You're incredible. But yeah, we, I want to know, like, were you a little kid in the kitchen and it was your passion? Yeah, or? well, I grew up in a restaurant. So um, I grew up here in L.A. And, um, I'm, uh, you know, for a lot of immigrant, especially Asian immigrant families, uh, the restaurant or like a corner market or a f- something food related is always like a kind of a, a business that a lot of us get into. Because it's um, one that is in many cases vacant because um, a lot of people don't want to work in the restaurant business back then. Um, also you could get through it without having English as the main, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. if you, if you land in this country and English, is not your first language. It's like hard to get an office shop, right? Cause what? like most of the work relies on communicating. Mm-hmm. Whereas at a restaurant, you can communicate in different ways. You don't have to necessarily use words. So that helps a lot. Um, and also it's like, what's weird about with like, a, and you see a lot with a lot, a lot of Asian immigrants and uh, Latino immigrants is that. You know, food is like our way to figure out like how to transition into this country because it's something. And you know what's weird is like you think that a lot of these people were like chefs or restaurateurs or something like that before, but none of them were. Mm. It's just they're bringing and you know what it is, it's also a bridge back to like where you came from, because um, when you leave a country and land in another country, uh, one, you're doing it for opportunity, but no one really talks about like how much it hurts. You know, Mm. people think you're just fleeing a country and you never want to go back. But a lot of people flee because for whatever reason, it could be exile, it could be political, it could be financial, it could be whatever. Um, But in your heart, it's like you still love where you came from and you still like want to feel those tastes. And like, um, you know, you know, we all grow up with like childhood memories, you know, however fucked up that childhood could have been, you know. (laughs) And so a lot of times the restaurant becomes a place where it becomes your only way back to kind of figuring out like how you could stay close to where you're from. And so they try to recreate all these flavors. So, you know, the history of all these like restaurants, a lot of them were built by people who didn't know how to cook at all, which is crazy wow. to think of, right? right? Because we put all of these small, like, you know, 
cultural immigrant restaurants in this category of like, wow, these things, you know, they're written about in food media and chefs, like the only place we eat, like after work are these small places and mini malls. Mm. And then the food media talks about them like they're like changing the way cooking is and all these things. But really like (laughs) what's funny is what they don't (laughs) understand is a lot of these people were figuring that shit out as they were cooking it. Right. Right. You know, and so um, my parents were no different. My parents were not cooks. They were educated um, like uh, intellectuals, they were here to like study art and political science. Um, but once everything fell through, they, they thought, you know, the thing that they felt like they could do was like open a restaurant, cook and have their friends over. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of like having a restaurant, too, is like, you know, because it's it's tough, like being a minority in this country, straight up. I'll just say that. Yeah. You know, yeah. in America, it's tough being, you know, a lot, unless you go through it, it's it's hard to explain because it, it can be overt, but it could also be passive aggressive. It could be, you know, sometimes you're outnumbered and you just have to like take the blows. And, and sometimes you move through the world quietly and sometimes you have to move through it like in many ways unseen, especially back in the 70s and 80s. So um, what these restaurants also become is a place for, a lot of these families to come together in a private environment and be themselves, yeah. you know, cause in out there in the real world, sometimes you have to like, you have to put on this like invisible coat of armor. Yeah. Right. Um, but then the restaurant is where you could like let loose, be you. drink, smoke, have fun and do all this stuff, <laughs> you know? So I grew up around all that, you know, I got to see like, um, you know, these people and these families like struggle during the day, but then come at night and like completely let loose. So that was like a part of my whole childhood. I also grew up in this really crazy family. Like my mom has like, uh, she has 11 siblings and my wow. my dad has seven siblings. Oh and my then goodness. Between that, we I have like 60 cousins. Oh my know? gosh. <laughs> and then we all come together and everyone cooks. And so, um, and they don't cook just in the kitchen. They cook everywhere. Kind of like this podcast. Like they just take up every <laughs> every available space, you know, in the house, you know. And uh, so they're like electric griddles, they're waffle makers, they're little portable ovens and everywhere. What? And everywhere you go when I'm growing up is like their aunties just stuffing food in your oh mouth. Oh, my God. And then um, so that combined with the restaurant and, you know, and then I was left alone here in L.A. from about four years old because my parents had to go work. So um, this was a different time. Like right yeah. now as parents, like there's not a time that I don't know where my kid is. Right. 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 But Do you have then, a little girl? Yeah. I see your oh, Taylor. Yeah. We have some <laughs> stuff, yeah. So sweet. <laughs> um, but back then, like my parents would be like, I was four years old. They'd be like, peace. No. Yeah, like we'll, literally leave you alone. Yeah. Leave yeah. You alone. Uh, alone, alone. Alone, alone. They'd be like, here's, there's food on the table. Here's a couple bucks. Wow. We got to go work. And then they come back at like eight or nine. And I'm wow. just like, so I would roam the streets a lot on my own. And then, but it wasn't just my parents. <laughs> like my son is four. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, like, I can't picture Shepard just like cruising. The I street. can. I can't yeah. do actually. That's true. But the thing is, you have to have an environment that supports that, right? So, so it's a community. It's not just, no, no, I don't mean a community. What I mean by that is that it's not just my parents. <laughs> it means the, the city, because you got to think of like, um, this was like the late 70s, early 80s, like, 
you know, like we didn't even have like seatbelts in cars. No, and right, stuff like that, right, you know what I mean? Right. And like what I was thinking was like I used to walk around the streets and the bus. I get on the bus on my own. I'm a four year old kid. Oh I'm like God. two that feet is, high. Like, <laughs> and I, I get on the bus and the bus driver's going, "What's up?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> I go, "What's up?" <laughs> and then I could get off and I'm just walking through downtown or whatever or you know. Oh and my then, God. Wait, this is insane. This is yeah. insane. Yeah, it's crazy, and I right? I love it. And um, and then so. Through Where that, did you I, go? I go Koreatown. Well, I lived in Koreatown, so yeah. I go to downtown, yeah. straight down Olympic to downtown. I, <laughs> He's I, like, I know the bus line. Yeah, like. I, go, I go down to Cren- <laughs> go down to Crenshaw. I come across, go to the west side, to West Hollywood. Back then, um, you know, like uh, it was before Beverly Center was built, so yeah. it was like I, there was like a little rodeo thing there. I go there. Um, and then I go up to like Hollywood and so like, yeah, yeah. Like, five years old, four or five years old. Someone needs to make this movie. I know. I tried. Hollywood. I, Hollywood's what? a tough place. You know, I it sold. Is, but they did so that. Stupid. They did do a movie that yeah, I know inspired. They, yeah. Uh, Chef. Oh, Chef. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I tried to sell the life story, the memoir. We got close. I mean, you know, the Hollywood world. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We got close. We did. I learned in Hollywood that there's a difference between selling and greenlighting. And yeah. I didn't know that that oh, there was a difference because in my world, when you make a reservation, we give you a table. You know, like that's, that's it. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. That's the world. That's yeah, the, what the yeah. world should be. <laughs> and then, uh, so when I sold the script, I was just like, "Fuck yeah!" You know, like it's gonna, we're gonna be on TV or a movie or whatever. And then I didn't realize there was a whole another process. So, um, but yeah, I just always thought that that would be a great story, like this five year old kid riding it's- the bus around the city and like seeing the. What's great about seeing the world when you're young is no one notices you, you know? And I think that's why I grew up so quick. It's like when you're roaming the streets at five, six, four years old and you're going out and you go up and you order like, I'll have one taco, please, you know, or I'll have this. And, but then when you're walking or riding the bus or walking through the streets, like no one notices you. And what I mean by that is like people do just like adults do their own shit. Like they'll, yeah, right. they'll do their vice or they'll do their crime or they'll do their thing. And like you as a kid, just looking at it and like you could be like right there. And they'll still do the thing and they don't even notice you. So I got to see and hear like a lot of people with their like guard down, you know, because mm-hmm. I almost became like a fly on the wall. Oh, wow. But anyways, all of that led to um, food being like a cornerstone of my life. But uh, um, I didn't know I was going to be a chef until um, like everything fell apart in my mid-20s because I, I it was like a career that um, wasn't really like nurtured, you know, like my family grew up running a restaurant. So the last thing they wanted for me was to become a chef. Mm. So it was like a very traditional thing. So, you know, for many years, I tried to like avoid it um, until I didn't have anything left. And that's when cooking fell in my lap. Um, I was, uh, I was on a couch, like couch surfing, dead broke, like really, really at a bad place. And the show Essence of Emerald came on and I had like an out-of-body experience. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, really? I felt like Emerald was talking to me and telling me to check, you know, you know, go back to your roots and like, you know, cooking has always been there for you. And, you know, yeah. So. Were you, were you on, on drugs? <laughs> I, I was on a lot of drugs, yeah. Like, but it was also a time where we were also going, having out-of-body experiences without drugs, you know. Um, yeah. It was like yeah, a big, sure. it was like yoga. It was like, yo- it was like yoga and soul cycle back then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but back then it was, yeah, shrooms and out-of-body experiences. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, yeah, I just had one of those moments where I just, you know, I could see like, I could see the future, you know, so. Emerald's clear. 
Yeah. You could see through that. You could see That's it through. Yeah. So, and that was in your mid twenties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here in LA. Uh-huh. I'm just seeing this whole, like, I have this whole visual. I have you in my head uh-huh. as the little four five, six roaming the streets. Yeah. Just yeah. like eating your food. And it's really mind blowing. And I can't stop thinking about oh, it. Yeah. And I want to see it. I, w- I totally want to see the movie. Yeah. And, you got to make like, the movie. Have, we have yeah. to. It's not over. But like, and I, of course you're going to grow up so fast because yeah. you're doing everything for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the parents were there. It's just it, it was just understood that, you know, like figure shit out yeah. on your own, you know. Figure and, it out. Yeah. But look at you now because of that. Right. Yeah. yeah you figured different. it out. It's different. You know, like. the, But, you know, like every generation, I think, has their own strengths and weaknesses. Like, I think this generation, Gen Z, is going to be way smarter than we are, but they're not going to have a lot of the, you know, some of the tactile physical things that we went oh. through. So mm-hmm. those things in some way, I don't know if they'll ever have to be supplemented or learned because the world is going to become even more digital, you know, and more experiential from, from a non-physical standpoint as it grows. So I, you know, I don't know, but I, you know, I, I, I know that they're definitely smarter than us because they have so much more information in their, mm. in their brains and access. Um, but some, some of the, some of the beauty of discovering things, I think, is lost. Like, I, I feel like back then you had that kind of stand by me life, you know, where like, let's go see a dead body or something yeah. like that. And like, you know, just going to like meet a friend is like the whole movie is stand by me because shit can happen. Right. And then you have to figure it out. And you have to like travel the distance. And um, and that's how you learn. But now you can learn everything virtually. So um, it's different. But um that's such a good point. Yeah. I, I think that maybe we could get a mix of it because um, I, I, I've been imagining this world where we take, you know, we stop, we, we, we have intervention. We stop having parents be so overprotective mm-hmm. and we let kids kind of like go out a little more and then like we find a middle ground. But Well, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. You know, kids used to just play out mm-hmm. in the street, go to the friend's house around the block. Yeah. Like. Uh-huh. You didn't have constant contact. Or, yeah. You know, you just definitely, even when we grew up, because, you know, I was born early 80s, and yeah. late 70s here. So, like, it's the same kind of mentality before all that stuff came into play. You made an agreement, you know, mm-hmm. and that's those are things that I think were lost. You, you made an agreement. Like, you and I would say, let's meet at 7 o'clock right. here. Right. Or if you tell your kid, like, go have fun, but be back or else you, you know, yeah. get your ass whooped. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how, do you just have one kid? Oh, uh, yeah. And how so, old is she? Uh, she j- just went to college. Oh, my God. What? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, just dropped her off last week. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so sweet. Oh, Where wow. is she going? Uh, in New York. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I can't believe you have. That's just crazy. So you had a young, reason. you were a young father. Uh, not too young. I'm, I'm Asian. Asian don't raise them. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a lot older than I look. Uh, but I, uh, but I had her when we were, when I was 30, something like that. Yeah. Uh, 29. That's young. Yeah, that's pretty young for a parent. Los Angeles. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Other places it might not be, but in LA it's young. But I lived a long life. You did. You did. I mean, listen. You know, I think that most people fall apart in their 20s, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What do you think, aside from that eye-opening experience, because you could have had that and brushed Mm -hmm. it off. Yeah. Right? What puts you on that path what was the action step that followed that uh-huh. you had to like get behind and believe in and go full force um, into? Well, you know, I mean, I was sick of myself at that time. Um, I had burned a lot of bridge. Like I have to give you context of yeah. 
of mm-hmm. like how bad it was. You know, like I, I, I was a alcoholic drunk. I was a gambling addict. I okay. had burned uh, every bridge in my life. Um, I had stolen from everyone I knew and from my parents. I was couch surfing um, with maybe two or three people that left in the whole world that even gave a shit about me. Um, you know, I was an, I, I was an asshole. I was getting in fights all the time. I was, um, drinking like crazy and just walking around belligerent in Koreatown, just like, just, you know, being, being a menace, yeah. you know? And, and I, and I was just sick of myself, but I didn't know how to change that. I didn't know how to get out of that, you know? And, you know, and when you're at that place in your twenties, you know, it's everyone else's fault. It's not yours. Mm-hmm, sure. And the world is against you. And, um, you know, there's anger and there's, you know, you, you're mad because you haven't figured it out yet. And you're, and you're blaming everyone and everything else around you. And, um, I just took it to the extreme, you know, everyone goes through that, but I just took it to the extreme and that manifested not only within myself, you know, in my thoughts, but it manifested in everything I was doing too, you know? So that was where it was becoming dangerous because we could all have those thoughts in our twenties but still go to work and still like Some try to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Try to survive during the day, but, uh, I couldn't do it. So I was like going AWOL on everything. And, uh, and then finally just everything came to a head. And I was on that day that I was on that couch, a lot of shit had happened, you know, like, um, I was pretty much probably cause I was gambling a lot at that time. And I owed a lot of people money. I was kind of on the run in a way. Mm-hmm. And then, um, at that at that exact juncture, you know, I had I had gotten like jumped and beaten up. I was like, I owed a lot of people money. I was on the couch. I was just gambling like crazy. I was like going to the casino and just like begging for change and money. Um, I was like literally, I was literally one step away from either killing myself, killing someone, going to jail, or having sex for money. I mean, that's where I was. I mean, yeah. just being, this is a podcast, mm-hmm. so I just want to make it all juicy for you guys. Yeah, I'm not holding back. I, yeah. So so I was right there. And then that's when that moment happened for me. So uh, I think it was the severity, the gravity of the situation that allowed me to to, to finally like see it. Mm-hmm. And so um, when that when that thing happened, I I just got up and I made a pivot. You know, mm-hmm. um, and if this could be any advice for anyone is sometimes that's all it takes, you know, um, and it just takes the effort of and it, it could be for anything. I, I I deal with a lot of weight fluctuations. I deal with a lot of eating dis- disorders as far as like binge eating. I, I deal with <laughs> a lot of drugs. I deal with all these things. So but the way I'm able to shift some of those things sometimes is by just getting up and changing like in that moment, like not making a plan, not doing anything, like literally just getting up and saying, you know, um, contrary action. Yeah. Contrary action. So then what I did from there was I washed up and then I went to the bookstore and I started researching, uh, chefs. Cause I didn't know I was around food, but I didn't know chefs. Mm. Um, and then I would spend hours just, you know, in the bookstore reading about chefs and, and then I just started to make a plan, you know, um, you know, I finally went back home. And the great thing about uh, my family and being in, in in a family, especially like we started off talking about immigrant families, a lot of immigrant families 
is that um, no matter what you do, they always welcome you back. You know, they'll always take you back. I got a lot of homies where their parents don't take them back. But I was lucky that my parents, you know, took me back. So they gave me a place to kind of like restore myself and figure things out. Um, and I just started building the pieces back. And then I built it all with the with the idea of getting back to who I truly was. So I started, you know, to pay everyone back and develop a plan. I started to um, figure out how I could get out to New York to start to cook professionally. And, um, but that all happened just like that. Did you have support in doing that? Did you end up getting sober or Um, guidance? No, I've never done any like um, professional help type stuff. I've never been to therapy. I've never um, been to like a, like a recovery center or anything like that. I just, you know, being alone for so many years in my life, I'm able to, um, I'm able to just like be stubborn and manifest my own. Wow. My, my own change in whatever I do. Wow. It, that's Dude. just been something I've done my whole life. Um, it's not perfect and it can be very rocky, but it, it's worked so far. You know, but it's even, a miracle. Yeah. It's a miracle. Someone called me the other day and said how someone I know needs help. And they're uh-huh. like, how can I help them? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to get people to want to change. And so for you to wake up one day Uh and want to change and actually do it and have the life that you've created today is an Uh absolute miracle. It is. It's so inspirational. Yeah, I guess so. Thank you. I mean, it is is because when you say that, I think about a lot of because I deal I I manage a lot of people every day, you know, running a kitchen. We consider a family, but I I'm in charge of or I lead or people look up to me for advice and I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of people every single day, you know. And so I, you know, it's my it's my responsibility to always like look at their development, you know, like all the nuances, just like you know, like their physical motions, their muscle memories, how, you know, their workstations, um, their attitude, their perspective, all those things, uh, how they're thinking, what they're going through in their life. And you're right, a lot of people won't. They want to change, but they don't know how. They don't know how. They don't know how. And they're unwilling to hear all the things that will allow them to change. Right. And, um, right. and so what I try to do is just double down on love, mm. you know, um, and it does work. It sounds simple, but it does. It doesn't work all the time and it takes extra effort. But um, what does that look like for you? Uh, I just positive encouragement, mm-hmm. you know, like in this world. Mm. We, you know, it's so, you know, we live in a world where we think it's so cool, you know, like we're so desensitized to like how we treat each other and mm-hmm. how how harmful and mean we are to each other, not just personally, but just as a, a world. And um, and then you, you know, we ridicule people that are, uh, you know, kind and giving and loving. And so I just and, and we take away the the strength and the power behind it. And I, I just. Being in the position that I am, I just try to double down on that um, because I'm not embarrassed by it. You know, I'm not embarrassed or scared to express those things to my team. So um, I just constantly give them positive reinforcement. I tell them how great they are doing. And I tell um, I always lead with the positive comment, you know, and then and then um, and then I ask them when when I'm ready to criticize, I ask them, are they are you okay if we talk about this? And if you're not, tell you know, tell me when you are okay. Because we got to talk about it, you know, and what they, I think, um, uh, rely on or believe in is that I'll never not come back to it because, you know, we all fuck up. So, like, let's say someone's fucking up, like 
if if they're not ready to hear right now, it's not like I'll just brush it aside. Mm, right. And I think a lot of the people that work on my teams, they appreciate that because I'll always come back to it. A lot of us as cooks in the kitchen, we come from very tough environments, whether it's a broken home, whether it's not being loved, whether it's abuse, whether it's um, addiction, whatever. So a lot of the times, most of their life are filled with situations and people that abandon them, you know? Mm-hmm. So so to have this, uh, this moment to where someone's not going to abandon you no matter what, I think that's how it works for me. You're making yeah. him like getting you're, emotional. Oh. No, you're beautiful. Uh-huh. You're be- I'm like, can you're you, beautiful. Can you run our country? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, especially it, to me, it hits my heart so deeply to see a man be able to stand in love. Yeah. And like, I'm raising two boys and that's all I would want for them mm-hmm. is to lead with love. Yeah. And I'm just pretty blown away mm-hmm. by yeah. you and wonder like, are your parents incredible leaders? Was this modeled to you? Uh-huh. Or do you feel like you were born just knowing these things? Or where did you gather? Um, that's a great question. I think that, um, I think it's a mixture of all of those. I mean, my parents are definitely uh, leaders in their own right. And they definitely are a big facet of who I've become, but they're not the only facet. You know, I grew up also on the streets around a lot of OG, what we call OGs, where mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I saw the way people moved and I saw older people um, and how in the advice that they gave or the, or the gems of wisdom that they would lay on me um, or how they acted in situations, um, you know, being in the kitchen, just being around food and, and seeing how it transformed people. Um, it just informed a lot of who I, I was early on. And then um, I just think personally, you know, I haven't verified this, but I, I, <laughs> I think that I have some sort of psychic abilities, yeah, you know, you or I was built in, I was mm-hmm. born into that and they haven't been sharpened or refined or anything, but I'm able to, I'm able to connect to different rhythms and algorithms and things within and I'm able to see how I'm able to I I, I best I guess the best way I could describe it is and it happened with Kogi too, you know, um I'm able to see kind of like option A and option B before option A and option B happen. You uh-huh. know? And and it doesn't mean I'll always choose the best option. Right. It's right. just I'm able to see it a little bit. Wow. And um and sometimes it comes in fuzzy like the the old tv channel three in between stations (laughs) sometimes it comes in clear sometimes it comes in uh, warped whatever but i'm able to see those things so i'm able to like uh it's informed a lot of like like how i um have become as a person you know and what i'm what i'm willing to like um it's helped me like confront greed it's helped me confront um money and um my choices around like uh, building projects that aren't solely based on profit, you know, because yeah. um, I don't know if you know, like all the things that I do, but a lot of like the choices that I I make as an adult in business aren't around just profit. Like I spend probably half of my energy and uh, effort in um, working on, you know, equity and equality and social justice and bringing uh, equity within the food space. And I'll spend all you know, half of my energy working on those projects, which, you know, is, is not like how we're built up in this capitalist society to act. So, so, and I'm not saying these things in, in terms of being here, I'm saying them in terms of, of like, this is, 
what informs my decisions because I can see that, you know, in this situation, you're meant to do this. Right. Even if you can make money here, mm -hmm. you're meant to do it here. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's how I make those choices. Yeah. And when it comes to the social justice and mm -hmm. it comes to those causes, what is the thing that grabs your heart the most? Well, it's always around food, pretty much. You know, it can get deeper and bigger. Uh, I'm just not, I'm just not a, a, a trained intellectual, so I can't delve into policy or politics or things like that. But on the ground, um, like I can make shit happen. You can make fucking. <laughs> you have you make, make shit happen. Yeah, I can make shit <laughs> yeah. happen. I can move. I can move people. I can move situations. I can move moments. I can. I can walk through any hood, hood in this city, in this country, and get with the leaders and be like, yo, let's, Code switch. Let, yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Let's make, let's feed people. And so for me, it's really about um, giving people jobs, feeding the youth, uh, bringing in nutritious food and opportunities, exposure, and then bringing attention. So the last piece to it all, the, the first like five elements are like the foundational structures of just, you know, filling in the void that exists yeah. because the void is real, whether or not people want to admit it or not, mm -hmm. because um, if you don't live it, if you don't live south of the 10 here, or if you don't live in the inner cities in America, or if you don't live in public school systems where a lot of resources are stripped away, you may think that it's just not as bad as it really is. Mm -hmm. But if you do live within it or come from it, what you'll understand, it is even worse than you imagine, yeah. you know? Right. Um, you know, there's no nutrition in any of the foods. There's no Wi-Fi, no coffee shops. There's no jobs. There's no access to uh, the proper information. There's no, um, there are no restaurants. There's no chefs. There's no uh, job opportunities, things like that. So for us, what it is, is just about bringing, you know, these just basic fundamental life opportunities. Broad Ideas is supported by Spider Grip. Oh no, did you drop your phone again? You need to get a Spider Grip. Spider Grip keeps your phone in your hand right where it belongs. It's the phone grip that won't slip. Spider Grip props up as a stand, rotates 360 degrees, and lays flat, locked in place, easily fitting into your pockets or purse. Spider Grip is comfortable, durable, and functional, and appeals to anyone who has a phone. As unique and exciting as Spider Grip is, their team is as well co-founded and invented by recording artist and entrepreneur David Britt. Spider Grip is also co-founded and co-owned by actress and producer Kate Bosworth, along with Mr. Worldwide himself, Grammy-winning artist Pitbull. Spider Grip is the best grip around and made right here in the USA. Get yours today at spidergrip.com. That's S-P-I-I-D-E-R-G-R. IIP.com. That's two eyes in spider and two eyes in grip. Use discount code ideas at checkout and receive 30% off and free shipping. Grip the freedom. Broad Ideas is supported by Mosh. You know, I think it's really important to just be on top of your mental game. And you know what helps with that? <laughs> Whether you're at the gym, on the go, or between meals with the fam Mosh protein bars. They're the smart snack to keep your brain and body fit, fueled, and feeling good. With six delicious flavors, each mosh bar includes 12 grams of protein and is made with ingredients that support brain health like ashwagandha, lion's mane, collagen, and omega-3s. At 160 calories and only one gram of sugar, mosh protein bars are the guilt-free snack your brain and body will crave. 
Your brain is your number one tool, which is why Mosh protein bars were mindfully formulated by some of the top neuroscientists and functional nutritionists. I like keeping my brain healthy. I like keeping my daughter's brain healthy. I like giving us Mosh bars. I really like the peanut butter chocolate and my daughter likes the cookie dough. Don't settle for a mediocre snack when you can nourish your body and mind with the fuel it needs to succeed. Head to moshlife.com slash ideas to save 20% off plus free shipping on your first six count trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping on your first six count trial pack, which includes all six mouthwatering flavors at moshlife.com slash ideas. Do you do anything with prisoners? I'm like my brother. My yeah. br- I have my brother living with me who oh, just yeah. got out of prison. Oh, that's Been what's up. in and out yeah. his whole life. Yeah. And it's so sweet. Like the simplest thing, you know, my, my husband will come home and he'll be like, I made him mm-hmm. a hot dog, but I got this special chili. And yeah. it's like, I watch him all the time mm-hmm. showing his love through food. Yeah. He'll be like, I grilled the sickest, you know? And yeah. I'm like, it's where he feels valuable. He's yeah. like- you know, all of his values been stripped from yeah. him. And because when you're institutionalized, they knock it out of yeah. you. And so I've watched him do this and I've been like, David, you should yeah. work with food. Like yeah. he is like me. We watch people eat. I'm mm-hmm. like, take a bite. I want to watch you. <laughs> I yeah. want to watch you. But it's like uh-huh. the people, like you were saying, it really struck me that most of the people that are in the um, in the kitchen have some form of abandonment. Yeah. And I'm thinking of him going. Oh, he'd oh, fit right in. He'd fit right in. That's how I felt can, the first time I went to a kitchen. That's yeah. how he that talks right? and mm-hmm. he knows how to like, it's all about the culture and yeah. like wisdom and the love and all of that. But I don't know if you've done work around. You're the, like, can you give him a I job? work with everybody. Yeah. He's welcome. <laughs> yeah. I work with anyone who's on the on the fray, on, you know, on the fringe, um, any outcast, because that's me, that's who, you know, yeah, that's right. what I work yeah. with all day, every day. And, um, you know, a lot of it is manifested through how you communicate, you know, mm, for sure. and again, going back to doubling down on love, because a lot of folks from communities that are abandoned, they know what abandonment looks like, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's governmental abandonment, whether it's yeah. parental mm-hmm. or whether it's, you know, relationship wise or just anything. Or just the world or, or the universe. Yeah. Or all Usually. Of or systematic, you, yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is when something comes through and it's honest and it's true and there are no ulterior motives, everyone can everyone can feel it. And yeah. everyone, everyone's attracted to it. And, uh, you know, and that's what I try to, I, I try to lead with that whenever I, whenever I go into a situation. And so um, in my, where I, you know, hire people, we don't have, we don't have an application process. So what I mean by that is my application wow. is name and phone number. What? You know, I so. feel like crying. I know. Yeah. It's making me so emotional. <laughs> no, 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 but these are just Well, like, no, it hits no, really yeah, hard yeah. home for you. Yeah. yeah. So you it's just name, it's just like, name yeah. and phone. It's just yeah. name and phone number. And then we just take the person based on who you are who you in are. that moment. Oh my you know? God. This yeah. is like the most this is so important. It's so yeah. important. And a lot of those things happen because there are choices that I've made to not be corporate as I've grown. You know, I'm proud of where we are, but I look at like a lot of lost opportunities because, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't take the venture capital or I didn't do right. this or I didn't go this corporate route. And, you know, of course, we could have been bigger. We could have had more. I could have been richer. I could have mm-hmm. been 
and more things. But then being independent and individual allows you to, you know, that's what's great about podcasts too, right? Like it's like it allows you to make choices from your heart, you know, you know, and so um, there needs to be some of us out there still in the world, I think. I'm going to cry. I can't. (laughs) No, it's, yeah. it's so just, important. Yeah. It's so important. I'm yeah. so glad you're here today. It's because, you know, whether you go to the prison system or not, or whether you're a troublesome child, that shouldn't be, you know, like my whole philosophy is like, whatever you've done shouldn't define who you are forever, right? right because right. we all have the ability to change, you know? And so like, you know, just the problem with our institutional system is that, Whatever you've done when you were a reckless youth or just a numbskull, it follows you forever. Forever. Forever on record and also psychologically. Big time. You know, so then what happens is that person is never able to dig themselves out because they've been pushed down so far that they have no confidence in themselves. And then whenever they do build up the confidence, like what you're talking about with your brother, they just get shut down Mm -hmm. because… They could be right for the job, but then they say, oh, you have, right. you have a felony you have a felony, right. on your record. Ta- yeah. yeah. And, t- and, so- and they, they said, you know, it's it's really tragic mm-hmm. what happens in there, too, is because they strip them of mm-hmm. dignity yeah. and purpose. And then, you know, little things they do that you don't realize that on the outside you would Did never know. Did he serve know. here in California? Or in- he's been, he's literally been in and out since sixth grade and he just turned 50. And heart of absolute gold. Yeah. but he had a drug problem, you know? Was it state level or federal or? Yeah. Uh, state, I believe. State, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so tough. It, That's tough. In California? Yeah. In California. Oh, yeah. He's man. got like big muscles, you oh, know, they're, like they're, he they're, did they're, the building of the yeah. muscles instead yeah. of the. And no legs. Just. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. The body of the Mr. Incredibles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but little things they do yeah. that no one would know yeah. unless you have someone near and dear to you is yeah. like, He's got a tooth missing. Mm. And I was like, where'd your tooth go? He's like, I I had a cavity. Uh And I was like, so where'd your tooth go? He goes, they don't fix our teeth. They pull them. They pull them. They want you back here. It's a monopoly. They want you back here. They want you tattooed and toothless. You know, and you hear that and you go, oh yeah. When someone's going to get a job and the guy's tooth's missing, you're going to. That story's crazy. It sounds like, like Gotham. You know, yeah, that's like, what like, I mean. You know, you know, like, totally. sounds like, it sounds like the CW on, <laughs> Gotham on the CW or something. That's how like, he's living, thinking, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah. I'm a victim of this. And we're trying to teach him you're not a victim of anything. Yeah. Right. But, but also like when he got out, it's like there's mm-hmm. no, they. Oh, yeah. They give him um, a bus ticket and Narcon and say, good luck. Yeah. Right. Like, don't, right. don't die. Um, yeah. So it's the same kind of thing as any systematic problem. So I do work with a lot of, uh, not maybe not directly with prisoners, but I feed whoever, right? So like right. Uh, we built this project in the city of Watts called Local. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a project built around, uh, again, around bringing food equity and jobs and opportunities. And like um, uh, it was taking fast food and redesigning it. We would use grains and, and vegetables mm-hmm. to make patties and all this stuff. But but the, the whole core of the project was built around hiring from the community and feeding the community and being a place that uh, the community run on its own. Eventually, the, the goal was to hand it back to the community and it, to live forever. But where this leads to is that it got really popular amongst the prison system 
within America. Because when you talk about a community like Watts or Compton or uh, East St. Louis or Detroit, mm-hmm. a lot of these cats, they, they over history know how much things have been oppressed on them, you know? And yeah. so, especially in the prison system and the word travels fast, you know, like the communication system between the streets and the jails, you know, if something good is happening, the word travels fast. So, Local got a nickname amongst all the prisons. So whenever someone got out, they would come right to local. They call wow. it local J's. And then it would be like, you know, it, it was like, it just became legendary. It has its own nickname. If you think about it, a project being built on 103rd and Grape Street, like it was just unheard of, you know? Mm-hmm. So like a lot of these, these cats that were, you know, in the pen for like 10 years, 15 years, like they're like, no. Nah not my 103rd street no way could that ever right. happen there so then they're just sitting there and their mind is just like racing they're like what is going on you know why are they investing in this street and what's happening and my little nephew's working there what's going on and all this mm-hmm. stuff so this is going crazy and it's like spreading throughout all all the jails throughout america so a lot of them came out and they would go directly there oh my gosh. and so um in that way that was related to a lot of prisoners um work with a lot of uh you know um just uh, just anyone, anyone who's on the street. I work with, I work with street people, basically anyone, yeah. foster kids, street people, oh. uh, cooks, uh, street vendors, um, immigrants, whatever, whoever. And the coolest thing is that everybody loves food. Yeah, yeah. everybody loves food. Mm-hmm. And well, I, that's how Kogi got started. Like yeah. we, we started serving the clubs in Hollywood. This oh, is two thousand. Really? So I know you haven't had so Kogi in a nutshell started. Um, it's a taco truck that serves Korean barbecue tacos. Yeah, of course. And we went around. We didn't know what, we didn't have any plan. We just mm-hmm. ate the thing. And, and when I made it, um, me and my team, we ate it and we looked at each other. We were like, I don't know how you all started this podcast, but like we, look, we looked at each other and we're like, we this need to start fire. a truck. Yeah, yeah, this is fire. And we were just like possessed. So then we got the truck, we made the food and we just went out, but we had no plan. We're like, uh-oh. And then, um, so then we decided to, Go in front of the clubs. So at that time in 2008, it was the night we opened was the night Twilight premiered at the oh, Cinerama Dome. Uh-huh. It was midnight on a Wednesday. <laughs> and it was, um, there were club, there was two clubs called Green Door and Cabana on Ivar Street. Mm-hmm. Packed, packed. Green Door was more of the exclusive club that your world would go to. The, <laughs> you know, the, uh, you get the that pictures. Of P- at, P- yeah. yeah, maybe you were there. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Cabana was the more bigger club. And then, um, but but we decided to park in front of that. And then when we first rolled up there, the bouncers, like big old bouncers, like, you can't park here. What the fuck are you doing? You can't park here. And they kept pushing us out. And then in that moment, I just had, I just had a quick reaction. So I took the burritos and I gave them to them. Yep. Uh, and, I, and then I said, listen, man, like we hear you, we totally get you. Just take a bite of this burrito. <laughs> and then after you take a bite, let me know if we still gotta move. <laughs> and then they took a bite, and then you could part right here. <laughs> right here. Right here. I love that. And so that's how Kogi gets started. Oh my so God. yes, food affects everything. It's so it does. Amazing. I love it. You literally just yeah. like take a bite. Yeah, like really after I want a bite this right bite, now. Let <laughs> me know how you, they're so bomb. I know. I, I remember we used to go follow it. Like you'd yeah. get like people would alert you. They'd be like, "Oh, the truck's gonna be yeah. right." Yeah, I you remember that. Around. Like I, of course, have heard of it and of know course, of yeah. it. You know, it was a very special moment because, um, you know, everyone, you know, it happened during the recession, um, mm. the, the the mortgage crisis in '08, and mm-hmm. a lot of people were really scared. And like so, um, you know, very similar to recently during COVID. 
where a lot of pop-ups and people were selling food out of their house. And Instagram yeah. became, you know, for us, it was Twitter. But during COVID, it became Instagram and TikTok, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but, you know, when everything's so depressing and scary, like it was like this really special little, like cute little scavenger hunt that everyone like needed, yeah. Yeah. needed in that moment. And, you know, um, we're just really happy that we were that person, you know. Yeah, it started a whole revelation of the food trucks. Revolution. Revolution, yeah. revelation. I had a revelation. <laughs> um, what was that like to actually look at and be like, wow, I was part of a change in culture? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's like, crazy. yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's like uh, being a part of any revolution or phenomenon that happens that changes culture, it's a lot to absorb. Um, you know, and with fame and although and that pressure can, you know, I'm lucky that it happened to me later in life, to be honest. You know, yeah. and all and all the stuff I've just told you so yeah. far prepared me for this, even though I didn't know it was coming. We weren't planning on this yeah. at all. We were just trying to make literally eight hundred dollars a day. That was our goal. That was our business plan. It's amazing. Eight hundred dollars a day. That means between five people, we could all like split it up. You know. Um, and it was, this was our math. Like if we made $800 a day and we served five days a week, like we wouldn't have to get a job again. That was it. <laughs> we're good. That's we're it. Good. Like we're, that as long it. as we're, yeah, yeah we're good. That's good. Cause that's like two, 300 bucks a day times 20 days. You know, we're like, yeah. that's good. <laughs> and we'll and, eat. And that we'll worked. Eat. Yeah, yeah, that worked. And, um, and then, you know, by month two, everything just like blew up and uh, it was crazy. And, you know, um, just so I you have a context of, yeah, yeah month two and, you know, so the context of it is like just parking in front of the club, waiting for people to get out. Maybe you're selling 50, 50 tacos, you know, you're driving around midweek, you know, Hollywood Boulevard, just like, I was just like begging people to eat the food, giving it away. And then things shifted. And then all of a sudden you go from that to you pull up to your location and there's 2000 people waiting in line already. <gasps> That's uh, insane. Yeah. Oh my God. And then, you know, it was cool because it was a time where, you know, these kind of like, you know, looking back at it now, which was only 14, 15 years ago, but it seems so like primitive, but, you know, compared to like how we interact now with all this, all the technology and social media. But, you know, this was the time of like flash mobs and planking and mm-hmm. things like that. So people already had like a little bit of an idea of how to like gather in mm-hmm. these moments. And um, it was so cool because like they would, uh, there would be like this, And that's what I mean by love, you know, like there was this common agreement for that moment, you know, where 2000 people that didn't know each other would come together, figure out a system together, wait in line and figure out where the beginning of that line was (laughs) and then talk to each other for because it took about two, three hours to wait in line and talk to each other um, and get to know each other and share that and just be in the moment. And then a lot of like relationships came out of that, which is crazy. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah. An- another side of love. Yeah, like what? I've been responsible for so many marriages. marriages. Just because waiting in line. Waiting in line. That's yeah. so So cool. like if you and I were waiting yeah. in line for two hours and then you were reading a book and I just looked over and, right. and asked you what book the... you read and then maybe we were meant to meet. Right. You know, That's and, incredible. But it's, yeah. it also goes back to talking about even when you're a kid and mm-hmm. you're just going off and you're exploring yeah. and you're doing whatever, like waiting in line. Yeah. You're forced to interact and talk to people uh-huh. and you're not on the phones. And you're not doing the things. And you're there you for present. for uh, a common reason. A common love. So there, Yeah. <laughs> so there's uh, also, there's, you know, there's an icebreaker already. 
Right. Because it's like, have you had have the taco you had yet? It? Yeah. What's your favorite? So then What's that starts, favorite? that's yeah. it starts it first. And then Man, if you I have, don't want to come wait in line. Yeah. And, yeah. And, You're uh, not waiting in line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting in line on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, we've been uh, responsible for so many marriages. And then that's even so the, the first restaurant I opened. Yeah. Also, I mean, the love continues. I also, <laughs> not just Kogi, but the first restaurant, A-Frame, that I opened on the West mm-hmm. Side was responsible for marriages too. Because that restaurant <laughs> at a time, we opened in 2010, uh, we broke and set a lot of new rules. Um, one being we sat strangers together at the same table mm-hmm. because it was a small restaurant. Like communal, yeah. Uh, but it was different than communal. Like communal… Or bigger, a big, long, big, long table. Yeah, These yeah. were like small tables, like this, like regular two top in front of us. Yeah. But we would stuff another two top that you didn't know. You could be on a date with someone. Yeah. But we would stuff another two top on a date <laughs> with you because we were a small it. restaurant. We were in an IHOP. Uh-huh. And so inside we had very limited seating and there was a big rush. You know, it was a very busy restaurant. So I just told everybody and, and you know, having social media and being like at the forefront of that, I was able to communicate my thoughts to people, mm. you know. And so I just built all of our places on honesty. And I said, listen, man, if y'all want to eat this food, this is how it's going to go. You know, and if you don't like it, then either order to go or whatever. But this is how it is. And one of the basic principles was every seat is for the taking. So if, you know, there are no reservations, you come up to the restaurant. If there's an empty seat next to you, I might sit someone next to you, you know. So through that, what, and then the food was all eaten with your hands. So it was very primal. Mm-hmm. People are sitting next to each other. We put a bunch of speakers and bass in the restaurants. We were blasting really great music. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a great vibe. And yeah. then and then through that, what happened is people connected. Um, right. I think A-Frame was responsible for like 20 marriages. Oh my That's, God. Just because oh, random yeah, I'm, I'm like together. that. I'm like that sperm donor doctor <laughs> guy that has like a fucking million kids. 150. You know? Yeah, 150 yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that. My restaurants are like oh that. My, my restaurants are sperm donors. <laughs> Where did you meet your wife? Uh, we met after I got out of culinary school. Um, we mm. met here in LA. I was coming back from New York to LA and she was studying here in LA. And then we met like just in this really short transition period. Yeah. Mm. It was like love at first sight. So, what? Yeah. Real, real Can you deal. give us the story? Yeah, I love us. a love story. Me too. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, my parents, our mothers knew each other. They went to high school. That together. sounds shady. No, but here they <laughs> like, I just need to they, preface. They it were, wasn't a three. <laughs> they were not friends. They were not friends at all. Got it. Okay. They, just they were went not to friends at together. all. They went to high school again. My mom was the what pop- high school in Korea. Oh, my wow. mom was a popular. She, my mom was Regina George. She was. <laughs> Got it. She was Regina. She was the popular one, the mean one, the, the you know the leader, everything. And then her mom was an athlete, so kind of a tomboy, totally not the popular crowd, totally different. Never interacted. Never really hung out. Anything. They hadn't seen each other for thirty years. Oh wow! Over thirty years. I just came back from culinary school for like two days. Yeah. Between going to my first job uh, at a resort. But for some reason in that moment, and you know, and these kind of things, like Kogi's the same thing, all these things, it's just like what's happened to my life, these like circumstances. Yeah. But in this moment, her and her mom were driving and again, never hung out, 30 years, never talked to each other. And that they were in day, Korea and then this is in LA. No, no, this, they were in LA. Yeah, no, but I mean like… Yeah, they yeah. were in Korea, but my wife came here to study graduate yeah. school. And then so her mom came to visit her. Got it. After all this time, they're driving. For some reason, out of the blue, in this moment, she says, let's go see my friend, which is my mom, which they're not friends. But it's the only person she probably knew here. No, right? she knows other people. Oh, oh yeah, wow. Because so there's, more cause like there's like alumni business. here all throughout 
Okay. But yeah, it was more kismet. Yeah. She's just like, in that moment, they went to go see her. My mom was like, what the fuck are you doing here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then they sat down and they hear coffee. And then she's like, I don't even fuck with you. Yeah, I don't even fuck with you. What are you doing here? <laughs> and uh, they sat down and then she, you know, her daughter was with her. And then my mom's talking. And then my mom just had a light bulb. She's like, Is your daughter married? And then, and then they're like, No. And they're like, You know what? They should meet. And then so they, they had us like kind of, you know, just like go out, yeah. like just meet. And then, yeah, the moment I saw her, I was just like, I'm married. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's how that all happened. So, so yeah, we, uh, but then I went right to my job. And so, like, we kind of had a long distance relationship. And, um, but then we got married, yeah, within a year, like the next, the next year. Yeah. Did she? We got married at Disneyland. You, what? Yeah. It Are gets, you kidding? It gets even cuter. Keep, oh, my God. <laughs> Mickey and we and we no. were very we were where we weren't rich at that time so we would we scraped up all the money that we had to rent Mickey for the because when you get married to marry you yeah when you get married at Disneyland they also offer the package <laughs> so <laughs> so, Disneyland so, wedding package? yeah yeah so you get the pack there's there's so the ultimate package is you get carted in the Cinderella cart and oh, then they have the, yep. they have what? all the stuff I want to redo <laughs> but then they have the smaller packages and then you can rent like like the real low budget you can rent like Pluto or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then like we we scraped together and got Mickey, and then um, and then they threw in Minnie as a surprise, Aww. and she showed up like at the reception as a surprise. The That's whole so the whole cute. crowd went wild, and then oh so they God, come and they, they they do the first dance with you and all that stuff. They cut the cake with you and everything like that. Yeah. That is so fucking cute. <laughs> it so I can't cute. handle it. Were yeah. you guys obsessed? Yeah, with like with Disney. Or yeah, what? we're big Disney. You're fans. big Disney yeah. fans. Do you guys go back every year on your anniversary? Or like, uh, yeah, and uh, my kid is. We go to Disney World every year. Yeah. You do? Yeah. Oh He's like every God. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every Wednesday we're there. That is so fucking cute. Yeah, that's that is so amazing. sweet. That's like the sweetest story ever. And then, so that's been a long time. You guys have been married, and it was one of those meant to be's. I think so. You yeah. have a lot of like, yeah, meant to be the stuff in your yeah. life, you know, well, but you attract it. Yeah, it seems like he's awake to it, right? Yeah, a lot of them. Um, yeah, they uh, again, I can see them or I feel them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, you know, when I'm, you know, when it hit, when I do it right, I, I act on it, you know, mm-hmm. like when it uh, and later, you know, as as I've grown older with maturity and I've been my batting average has been better as far as like making the right decision. When I was younger, I would always be like, you know, very, very um, closed off to it. But the more and more I'm able to make those decisions, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm just clearer in being able to do it. Like even this podcast, you know, like I don't know y'all, you know, like and I didn't even know how y'all know me. And then like when Rob told me to do this, you know, it was like probably like, you know, my other self would my first answer would have been no. Right. You know? Sure. And, but there's just something that I felt, you know, and like, and then sitting here and, you know, talking to you two and allowing me to say these things and seeing how you're reacting to them. You know, I realized I made the right decision. Oh, <laughs> make me cry again. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You just came you here to keep doing that. Make you I know. Cry. That's yeah. all you're doing. I know. When you, go, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to ask when you make these decisions, mm-hmm. I feel like there's three places we can make decisions from, mm. right? Our head, our instincts, or our intuition. Mm. And I think those are three different things. Yeah. And I'm curious where you make your decisions from. Um, well, as I've grown older now, 
and in maturity, I definitely, um, I, you know, th- there's definitely a, 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 like a hybrid that I've made of it all. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like a marijuana strain, you know, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've made a hybrid of it, but it's, it's more and more and more intuition and yeah. gut and mm-hmm. gut, you know, because I've, I've been through so much of, uh, you know, I'm here now and I made it through the other side and I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid or embarrassed of anyone or anything anymore. You know, I'm not like doing it to get ahead or I'm not doing it because I have a boss or, uh, you know, I'm afraid of what the perception may be. I'm, so that allows me to really, really hear and feel the uh, the gut and the intuition. And then so, uh, you know, I'll just, that's what leads a lot of the the, the decisions and the business yeah. decisions. Yeah. And that that transfers over to business too, not just personal. But a lot of it is, you know, I have to acknowledge that a lot of it is driven by being independent, you know, and self-funded mm-hmm. and, you know, um, and I know not everyone has the ability and the opportunity to do that, you know, like, right. you know, it's very fortunate that, but, but it doesn't come because it just falls on your lap. You have to work for it. So if anyone out there is struggling with that, that place that we've all been, and I've been there where you, you know, you hate your job, you hate your boss, or you don't like where your life is at, or you wish you could do this. Um, it's not going to come overnight, but you have to start making, you know, the decisions and, and the actions to get to a place where you can be independent. But then that also requires you being honest with your own level of greed and, mm-hmm. and ego and all those things, Oof. you know, it's a lot of stuff, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but you can have, there's, there's so many things that I turned down because it, it would chip away at my freedom. Right. Wow. right. And I look at that and I'm like, and then. And I have to sometimes, you know, I have a team that works really closely with me that has been with me for like over a decade. So they they understand a lot of my abstract decisions, but sometimes I still have to sit them down because I want to be fair to them, you know, because sometimes oh, those right. decisions affect affect them or they could they could be richer because of that, you know, right. or they could, you know, have a better life. But but I try to explain why that if you look at if you look at the whole picture. It may feel better now, but this is where we're going to end up if we take this deal. You know, like we're going to lose this. Mm-hmm. And although this, this, what I mean by this is this freedom may not be bringing in any revenue right now. It's something that's also extremely precious and needs to be protected. And so um, so that's what drives me a lot. And then finally, the, the thing is that, you know, to get to freedom is a really hard place to get to in life, whatever level that is. And so for me to have been fortunate to get to the other side, I'm like, it takes a lot for me to give that back. And so, you know, so that's a lot of like where I get to as far as like making decisions. Like, um, you know, I don't want anyone to tell me like I'm, I'm a collaborator as far as like listening to notes in terms of like we're all working together to make it better. But Mm -hmm. but I'm not giving up what I got to where. Like, I, I don't have to answer nobody right now yeah. in my life. Not right. one person. In That's life. amazing. Not one person. You know, maybe my maybe my wife and my kids. <laughs> maybe, but that's not that's not like obligation wise. That's because I want to. Yeah. But as far as like anything else, like I don't I don't have to do anything that anyone ever wants me to do. So then so when you think about that, then that's not selfishness. What it does is it drives you to like really dig deep and do the things that you think are right. 
you yeah. know? And fulfilling. And fulfilling. Which and it's like empty calories in food yeah. versus nourishing food. Exactly. You're, choo- you're choosing the nourishment versus the empty calories. And then I'm allowed to take that nourishment and cook food or make projects that make other people feel that too, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this world is so built on scale. And so it's like the only thing that I'm giving up really is scale. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of business people look at me like, you should have a hundred of those or right. what's your exit strategy or like, you know, what, how are you going to scale this if you do everything yourself and all this stuff? And and I just tell them like, I'm not looking for scale. And what I try to tell people is like, okay, if you're coming to at me with those questions, why don't you jump in and help me then? Mm-hmm. You know, like this is what we do. So if you feel like this is special, then take your acumen and adjust it to this and let's make it, let's make it bigger. Let's scale but this. Let's scale <laughs> yeah. this. Right. But yeah. don't make me give up this to to become that, Mm-mm. you know, so. Do you know the four-hour work week? I've heard of it, yeah. So there's this story. I don't know mm. if you know it, but I love it. It's this fisherman and he's got like a little fishing boat. I'm going to screw the story, but it's basically what you're saying. Mm. And these people come and go, well, you know, if you had a bigger boat, yeah. you could get this many fish a day. And if you get six boats or 10 boats, you can get this many. And and he's like, okay, I don't want that. Yeah. And they're like, why? You could have this much money and then you could retire yeah. to do what? He said, mm-hmm. come back to this little fishing boat and fish. Yeah. Like, I don't want to give up what I already have and enjoy to scale it to finally retire to just come back, come back. And do yeah. what, to do what I love yeah. from the first place. Let's skip that yeah. and fish in the boat. Yeah, a lot, you know, and the way our world has been built lately is like it's hard for people, for us to really fathom that we want less, you know, because mm-hmm. the world is built on so much, is everything is more, 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 more. So, but if you really look at it, you know, like we're not like naturally, you know, as animals and humans we're not built to be this massive you know like if you look at any other animal like they they take up a certain amount of forest or they take up a you know they have like this this amount of cave or they have like they eat this amount of berries you know like so obviously you know i'm not trying to change the course of civilization it's just i'm just saying that it, it seems as though someone has to step up and say hey like hold on like like we're being a little excessive here, right. you know, a little excessive, you know. And so, um, I don't know. I just, I think about it a lot, though. Like, because I, I think about, because the world is built on so much financial, like, am I giving up on stuff? Like, I've never been a part of generational wealth or anything like that, yeah. or even being able to give. My parents didn't really, weren't able to give me a head start as far as, like, you know, financially. So I had to build everything from scratch there. So I'm just wondering, like, am I giving up an opportunity to take care of not only my family, but other families because of my own, like, spiritual selfishness? So I don't know. I I think about it all the time. I don't have the answer for it. But then there's the question there that, like, if you take it, are you preventing your child from finding their own path with it? Exactly. Right, and right. and then, you know, and then you look at like, no matter how, you know, you could be way bigger than you are, but then even big things like fall apart too. Look at Hollywood right now. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. look at all the Netflix, you know, and the, and the streamers and the strike and everything. Right. So it's just like. But don't you think happiness is the most important I thing? I think happiness is the most important. And that's yeah. love again. Love, right? taking care of people, being, yeah. 
you know, and um, yeah, I just, you know, I when this whole thing was happening with the Bitcoin and, and during the pandemic and everything, I was hoping like there was a part of my imagination that this was going to be a shift in our kind of like financial and capitalistic, right. yeah. you know, existences where like love would conquer in a way where like we would get rid of some of this stuff and like, you know, we as people could invest in this system that where we're like 30, 40% of our time is built around like loving and taking care of each other and being okay, you know, and not just a rat race, but yeah, it didn't work. Well, we're not <laughs> yeah, done. No. We're, we're, still, not done. we're yeah. still here, you yeah. know? Yeah. This is something my husband talks to me about all the time, especially in his field. He's a physician and he sees patient after patient and it's oh. like the medical yeah. industry as a whole. And he's like the whole entire system, every single system needs space for nurturing, for community, yeah. for love, for service. And the way that the civilization is set up right now, mm -hmm. there's not much space for it. And it takes people creating it and not yeah. doing, mm -hmm. you know, refusing the big thing to hold integrity. And I think mm. that that's what, to me, you have in spades is integrity. Right. Well, that it does work. That I think your husband is right. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I want to give him his props on that because it, it does work. It's just mm -hmm. we have to invest in it. We yeah, have we have, have to, to make time it. for it. Right. And there are, are examples where it does like, um, you know, my kid goes to a liberal arts college. Yeah. Liberal arts invests in that, you know, invests in giving time and space for the arts, for not just networking and profit and what. Just what the doing. Yeah, yeah doing right. and not just where you're going to go, what job you're going to get after college. You know, it's about developing your mind and your thinking and your understanding. And so there are places for that. You have the Nor you have the Scandinavian countries that, mm -hmm. you know, they're they have other issues, but they you know, society wise, they you know they invest in in this space, you know. Um, so it is possible. It's just, you know, it, it takes effort. The word of encouragement that I can give is, is that it can happen if if certain individuals just step up and do it. That's right. So the domino effect is real, you know, and I'm a living example of that, mm -hmm. you know, selling one taco, begging people to eat it into dominoing and not wavering on that fundamental first philosophy of sharing, loving. Our food prices haven't changed in 15 years, you know, mm. really? you know because the purpose pretty much Kogi has gone from making like a little profit to pretty much just being almost a nonprofit because what. It is, is it's built around making sure that, you know, because every generation is going to have people that need a cheap meal, you know, that need yeah. to be able to get through, you know. So, so what we, even though everything has grown and prices have grown and the, you know, supply chain, all those stuff, we have decided to just keep our tacos at $2 pretty much because, yeah. because we know that there's going to be another generation that's struggling that's going to need access to Kogi. But then the domino effect of that, of staying true to that has blossomed into many other things, you know, opportunities, you know, for myself in entertainment, um, building restaurants, doing all these things, but keeping that one thing where it's at has allowed the other things to grow. And I think if um, a lot of businesses like were to look at it or 
individuals look at it that way, they, you know, and not wait for someone else to do it. If you do it, I swear that the domino effect will happen. By us doing that, the effect it had on, you know, social media, food trucks, and food uh, culture in general, um, you know, it changed the way people interact with food. And that all happened with like Kogi. Yeah. And so, you know, and I'm saying this not to get credit for it. What I'm saying is that through that, this all happened, right? And it happened because we stayed true to what we originally wanted to do. And imagine if that happened in other spaces. You well, know, that, like, that's, yeah, you yeah know? that's what I'm saying. And then all of a sudden we would have a shift in culture mm-hmm. to where like these businesses that we really, really look up to or want to be a part of are making these choices, you know. And I do think you deserve a little credit for it. Mm-hmm. You may not want to give it, yeah. but I do. <laughs> and I think that I think you deserve credit for sticking to something that mattered to you mm-hmm. and the way you lead and yeah. that sets you apart and has helped change the course of think about how many people are employed, not just in your company, but in, I just went to a thing the other night. It's all food trucks, Yeah, you know, like think of the wealth that that creates, not just in your life. And that's what abundance is. It's Mm -hmm. not about how big something can get. It's what kind of impact it has. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've made a huge impact. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. You know, Thank you. And the one thing I wanted to say when uh-huh. you said you go with, you know, your intuition and I find, and as I've gotten older, like uh-huh. when you go with your mind, fear is always at the forefront. Yes. And so I do the same. If uh-huh. I follow my intuition uh-huh. and then once that sees it, you know, through, yeah. you're like, it was the right decision. It was. And then you, you use your that. brain to like, to help your intuition, right? you know, instead of leading with your brain. I exactly. think that's the best way Yeah, is like, we always second guess our gut because yes. <laughs> because a lot of times the way the the world is set up or the way we're taught is we're not supposed to be that reckless or that yeah, or, right. or or tune into that as much. We're supposed to be a little more careful. But mm-hmm. I think it's the other way around. I think if we that intuition is usually right, um, whether it's in a test, you know, yeah. or whether it's in anything. And then if you just but then that with no training or no thought can also become reckless. So I think if you take that follow that first and then apply your thinking to yes. that again then you get your hybrid strain there you yeah. go we're coming up with a really good strain yeah. here yes, we are. <laughs> you, ba- uh, you basically channel is what yeah, you do. yeah you channel yeah yeah no yeah i'm saying oh you me do. Yeah, yeah i do yeah yeah 100 <laughs> and i'm getting better with it every day you as are. i'm here mm-hmm. yeah. because of the f- going back to the freedom right, right so what happens is because i made those decisions uh-huh. um to not take the money or to grow or all those things it it strengthened my freedom uh-huh. and it strengthened my channeling. So then now as I grow grow better with it, I'm better with it, you know, because I have more strength behind it. I'm more powerful with it. So, yeah, I'm getting to Gandalf level. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But, but, but I'm on that path, you know, and so and we can all be on that path. I'm, I'm just trying to show you that I'm a living example of like if you are able to have the courage and and the strength to 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 weather through and make these decisions you will you will start to be able to get to that place where you can channel things and get to a different level yeah i was going to ask you mm-hmm. like how you stay so humble through it all mm-hmm. with the you know getting famous and the success mm-hmm. and all of that but then i realized i didn't need to ask you that because it it is you channeling and i've noticed mm-hmm. when people do channel when they're in their zone and mm-hmm. their flow of life 
they typically stay humble because they know that they don't have much to do with it other than getting out of the way. Yeah, getting out of the way and um, and just tuning into it and knowing that it's not just about you or, you know, yeah. or, or it's not about winning, you know, right. it's not about anything like that. It's just, you know, it's... It, and that's how it is. And that's why I think food is such a perfect profession for me because, you know, and, and that's why I have a lot of issues with like food competition shows, you oh, know, really? because, yeah, I, you know, I don't mind them. They're fun entertainment mm-hmm. and I don't mind being like a guest judge once yeah, in a yeah. while, but I don't see the purpose of beating someone in food. And that's just me, but I don't understand what it is that you get out of it. Um, it's, it's not really a sport. And, you know, <laughs> it, it, you know, and it's just like, what do you, you know, like, what does it do? And then I just feel like going back to your channeling is like when you feed people, that's when you can really get out of your way, you know, and, and, and tying yourself into this, this next level of yourself or freedom doesn't have to always be these really grand um, accomplishments or gestures. They can, you can start to see them in making choices in your actions and small things like, again, just feeding people and cooking for people and just like watching you know, what happens when you do feed people and when you're not, you know, when you make enough for everyone or you go out and, and you try to take care of people, like people can feel that, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, there's a special place that that takes everyone. So, yeah. So cool. I was reading up on, we have another connection is what? that I, I'm a huge Get Smart fan. Are you and serious? I read that you, is that true? My that grandpa. Your grandpa directed? Yeah, he got a little Emmy for directing that one. I'm like, Really? Even in my book, even like in my the book, OG, like get smart. Even in my book, I write about Maxwell Smart. Are you serious? Yes. Oh I'm my serious. god, he's still alive. My grandpa, he's 95. Oh, tell him tell that him. he he uh, <laughs> he him and the Fonz. Yeah, and I bet we and, know too. And I met Sweetest I met Henry Winkler. You met too. Henry. He's not. Isn't he the nicest the man nicest in guy. the world? But oh like when I was alone a lot, right? Oh, we can bring it all the way back to that. So <laughs> I was alone. Go. I was alone a lot. So yeah. I was watching a lot of TV, and. And I was lost in this world. I didn't know who I was. I didn't, you know, I was six years old with dealing with the pressures of life. No, but I was, I was six. I was six years old and seven years old. And I was just trying to figure out, you know, what's my place in this world. You know, like, you know, home was different than the world. Like all these things. And then, um, it was the Fonz and Maxwell Smart that were like my. Wow. Those are my American heroes. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> that's so cool yeah and uh and you know the Fonz was the cool one and then and then maxwell smart was like that was like that was like who i wanted to be that's what i thought like if i ever become american and i figure this thing out and like you know and i become an adult like i want to be like him you know and, wow yeah that so, is so cool yeah. i am going to share that story yeah. he's going to really like that, <laughs> that and, so cool. and, and you do remind me of the Fonz. Oh, <laughs> I met him when I was, um, I was five, five or six years old. You met him then? Yeah. So what happened was, uh, one of my, one of our neighbors are down the street, like in the other apartment, she worked at Paramount mm. and, um, and then her and, or her kid and me were like kind of ca- casual friends. And then one day she had like a couple passes to, to like go and see a taping for happy days. And then, so she brought us there and then she um, brought us backstage and then 
to the dressing room because she knew how big of a fan of the Fonz I was. And I used to wear like <laughs> a fake it. leather jacket. Oh my god! <laughs> I used to put my thumbs up everywhere so I go. Um, and then, um, and then, so she brought me back there. And uh, now, as an adult, I look back at the whole situation and I know exactly what he was doing at that time. Now, as an adult, someone who's yeah. worked in entertainment, like it was probably like mid afternoon. He was probably in between scenes or something. He was in his dressing room, just having a moment. He was, I think, getting his makeup touched up or things like that. So it was just like that, like moment of time. Yeah. And but he like stopped everything and like just like gave us like all his attention Aww. for like five ten minutes. And um, yeah, it was really cool. That's so it was cool. Really cool. He was He's so present, so kind. He and is. his daughter's mm. doing beautiful mm. work too. Um, and his son, I think, is involved in food too in some way or loves food. Loves food. Yeah, but loves his food. daughter has a. Um, nonprofit. nonprofit called This Is About Humanity. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. Go. Have you heard they of that? They just did the big thing. Yeah, they yes. did the big, her big, yeah. Yeah, with yeah. all the tacos and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah they're so I was looking great. at that picture. Jeff Bezos' hand was a little tight around Kim Kardashian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> 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 We're going to revisit those pictures. Yeah, go, yeah, go I, look I at that. Go look at that picture. Look, look, at that, look, look at that hand. It was a little, a little tight. I believe it. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. Roy, I'm so happy that oh. you agreed to come and thank do you. this and you're fucking amazing oh, i'm so, so inspired much. by you and you made me cry maybe four times today um, so yeah. you're doing a good job yes <laughs> you're gonna be more cry. grateful so grateful thank you so much beautiful thank, thank you, you. <laughs> oh my god that i no disrespect to all of our Every amazing guest we've guests we've right. had but that was my favorite conversation. He was so much better than every other guest we've had on. <laughs> no, I don't I don't like to compare like better, but that was like the, the most beautiful <laughs> That was the most beautiful <laughs> conversation. I teared up four times. Yeah. We were very taken with Roy. Yep. Okay. I had just had to put it out there. <laughs> I had to say it. Rob doesn't know what to do with himself because he's on camera. He's like freezing up. He did tell us he fell in love with you and Dax both when he did armchair. Did he, he did. say that? Well, I don't know if he said fall in love, but he did. <laughs> it was like instant, you know, connections. Yeah, yeah. we have some mutual friends. Um, so when he came on, we bonded quickly. Oh, he did say that you guys share music and food. Yes. Yes. So we are constantly trying to run into each other at concerts and he doesn't strike me as someone that's like at the concerts you're at. He's well, you, we were at one recently. I know together. you told me that's why. I was um, like what concert? Shy. Portugal the Man <laughs> at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, I think he's a busy guy too, so I think he's, he's also not in LA a lot of the time. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> I can't take it. I just can't. I can't do it, Rob. I normally, it. everybody, Rob is always in a hat. Yep. But he came camera ready. <laughs> Let's just give him props where props are due. You deserve props. You do, oh. Rob. I'm telling <laughs> you, you the audience is going to be so excited to see your face. It's a They're lot of sick attention of my for him right now. <laughs> well, Nobody's... especially because of both of you. And we're just looking at you. Like, right at me. <laughs> How do you feel? How do you feel in front of a camera? Does it make you uncomfortable? I'm not super comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's not. Super is it different than when you first were on the mic? I guess not. Much it's that same it's kind of. Same, yeah. 
Yeah, he was not but comfortable being on the mic either. Mic. Now he steals the mic so, from us. So comfortable. <laughs> you are at least with us. You are now. Like when you're on the mic, there's not an ounce of discomfort in you. He just tries to make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get that pillow for my birthday. I'm sorry. I really wanted. They make a pillow with Taylor Swift's lyrics. It's like an embroidered, looks like a grandma pillow. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And it says, "It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me." And I feel like I need that. That, oh. That's a good summation of who you are. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Were you trying to send me a signal? Yeah, it was a smoke signal and you did not I get it. I didn't get it. No, it's okay. You got me a really nice birthday present. What'd you what did get you her? get her? Rob brought me sidecar encouraged bagels oh and had God. it set up on the table. I made a bagel board. That's it was really a bagel sweet. board and a donut, and a donut board. board. I mean, that is the way to my soul. Yeah. It's through that. And we still owe sure. him a pizza oven. We still owe Rob a pizza oven. There's two now. Yeah, you got, you didn't give me a birthday gift. Yeah. We owe him two gifts. Yeah, we do. What you're going to start get with them. the one. You're going <laughs> to get them. What did you get her? What did you get her? We um, they got me these beautiful earrings by earrings. Jennifer Fisher, who makes like the dopest hoops and things. And I and, love them. And a salt collection. Like salt and spicy salt and all kinds of fun salts. So you didn't wait in line for two hours at Courage Bagels? Neither did you. Neither no. did you. you. Maybe I did. Maybe I did for the That time. peanut butter and jelly bagel? <gasps> yeah, yeah. Is it in the bagel or so is it's it on in top? the bagel? It's an almond oh, butter. Oh, no, no. It's on top. Okay. Well, but it's they, they, they close top. it. Yeah, she just thought, was it a peanut butter and jelly flavored bagel? It's the jam from Squirrel. It was so good. I want it right now. That's my ate. new go-to bagel. It's so good, Rob. The peanut butter and jelly. Let me. It's try. almond me, butter with the was jam. Was it almond butter? Yeah. I don't even know. And then it's on a s- salted sesame bagel. It is insane. Mm. Let's just tell our everybody. Well, they know how you feel about food. And we had to order lunch today before mm-hmm. Rob got here. And he was busy. And he Miserable. could not respond to what he would want. And picking horrible food for <laughs> Rob was the most stressful experience for Olivia and I both, even though we're not saying stressful anymore. We're not saying stressful. We're saying, Why? what are we because, saying? What's the because word we're saying? every time we say I'm stressed, we're telling our body we're, that stressed. we're stressed. And we don't want our bodies to be stressed, so we're going to stop no. saying it. But what's the word we chose instead? Um, D- there's a lot of stimulus around. <laughs> um, that situation, I would say, if we're not going to use the word stressful, I would say it was... We can't use activating for fucking everything. No, because that's your trigger word. Well, yeah. and if it's a thing that made your body stressed, you're yeah, just but eliminating it from your vocabulary. No, you switch it to something else because then you start signaling your body to do something else. So if you feel the stress hormone kick in and you're like, I'm stressed, then your body's like, oh, you are? Let's fucking go, right? So when you feel stressed, you can say, I'm feeling happy now. Oh no, there was no sense of happiness picking a meal for you. <laughs> zero. <laughs> zero. Uh, All stress. What's you what I mean? You can't though. just like fully deflect what Let you're feeling. Let me ask you. We can change it. What's another word? How I guess you, you can reframe it, but it's how, still like essentially stress. How did you no. feel about the turkey burger we got you? It was good. <laughs> it was fine. Wait, I need another word for that moment. <laughs> for stress? Yeah, if we're not going to use stress it's, for um, that. High impact. High, sleek, chaotic. This is like high impact sports. Picking the <laughs> extreme, extreme. How is it that is better extreme. than? It, it was extreme. a very extreme experience. Height, heightened. Like how is that better though than feeling stressed? 
Because the word you're, heightened you're or telling extreme your body, don't take negative contact. In. In, but now it will if that's the word you're using when you're feeling stressed. No. If you're like, I need to pick something for Rob. This is extreme. <laughs> like, that's going to feel better than I'm fucking stressed. I don't know. What do you want a breakfast burrito or a turkey burger? Or we really debated lettuce? a lot. Like, See, what would you have picked? I did it. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Okay. You could. You did good. We did the best we could with what yeah. we were given. Yeah. 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 You barely know me. <laughs> but the thing is, it was even hard to pick a restaurant for you because we're yeah. like, he won't want that. He won't, he won't want that because you always say no to there. all the things. Yeah, you guys pick places that only have salads usually. That's not we don't true. Go to sleep. Like if we eat like a, I know you would like dumplings or something like that. No, he would like tacos. I like tacos. I like tacos. I said Hugo's tacos. You said Hugo's tacos. Oh, you don't like Hugo's tacos. It's not that I don't like Hugo's tacos. I like Hugo's tacos. If we're going to get tacos, I would rather get like legit tacos. Which are? <laughs> like Trejo's tacos? Like Monster Do you like tacos. Trejo's tacos? Trejo's is good. I, we still have to go to What's that What's the place? one that I sent you when yeah, you're like, I've been have- there. What's it called? Bill, is it Villas? Yes. It's here. I haven't, no, I haven't. It's here. It's here. It's here. I've been to their like pop up stand before they became. But now they have like a brick and mortar, right? Where is it? I think it's in like Highland Park or Pasadena. Interesting. They look really good. I think what are they? We need to start. We just need to bring a videographer with us (laughs) for our food outings. For our food tour. They're just talking. They're just supposed to be really good. I have a question. Yeah. It has nothing to do with tacos. Okay. But I would like to know how you guys feel about this. Oh, boy. I know. So, hold on. I have to get my Your glasses. glasses. Oh, boy. The transitional lenses. Let's see. Can we... Oh, uh, it's the first time they're on video. Yeah. Can People we, have like, been asking. Let can, me tell you. Can Should we, we put, put the, the sun shades in? up so we can... <laughs> you, oh, you guys... I do need to talk to you about something, though. What? Seriously. I get scared when she says seriously. I don't think I like the transition. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, I don't think I like the transition. What happened? Was it because we bullied you? And uh... No, it's because when I wear them and then I'm like dropping my kids off for school, then it's like half sunglasses, half not. And when I look at myself in the reflection, I look... Weird. So, so all the things. It looks we, like you just always have sunglasses on, it and it like makes I you feel a sunglasses on. And then when I'm doing Zoom calls, <laughs> and like if half. there's natural light coming in, <laughs> then I'm kind of like. Right now, I think the lights from the cameras are kind of making them a little darker. No, they? I don't. I don't think like fluorescent. I don't think do it that. should. I think it's like ultra. I think it's a, sunlight that will. Looks do it. a little darker to me. No, it looks a little darker because they have like a green tint. Well, I mean, those were all of the things that we said were probably going to be an issue. I feel really, I feel really bad about my decisions in life because I like the glasses. Hey, don't you say that about my friend? Hmm. Thanks. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Okay. We, oh no, we said. Here's that what I was going to ask what? you guys. What? I li- listen. I'm not opposed to being wrong. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I was really wrong about the transitional glasses. I think that was a bad move. Yeah, and especially fairly, to get a second 
Yeah, that was not a like, great. That idea. wasn't you a got good a thing. Second pair. Yeah, Costco. Remember yeah. Costco, the Ray Ban ones. I did. I got what? a second pair. Where was I when you I said mean, that? You about were it. there, dude. You went with her. You to were Costco. I was not there. <laughs> She's like Dory from Finding Nemo. <laughs> she did it <is> accurate. <laughs> okay. Side note. What? So I just want to know what you guys think about this. Sarah Jessica Parker said her attitude, she was talking about her attitude towards wellness and toxic nature of self-care as a societal construct. I think the concept of self-care makes people feel terrible and lousy and isolated that they can't afford access to or even dream of self-care. And so I know I push it on you a lot, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because you, but she's a rich celebrity. Because that she's has a time rich celebrity that has time to practice self care. Hey, what, what? what the hell? It's true. But, Let us get there. We're getting there. But you guys are in cahoots over here. What? I want to know one how you guys feel about that. Do you think that that's accurate? And do you think that someone could build into their day no matter what their yeah, circumstances no, I, are? I, I, yeah. I not, trust me. I love Sarah Jessica Parker. But, but I think that her, it's probably, first of all, that's like a quote taken out of something, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Out of context. So it's out of context. Like. And I'm sure she would say something like, just allowing yourself to have five minutes to shower and do that for yourself in the yeah, morning when you're busy, that could be considered self-care. And I'm sure she would agree with that. Right. And so that's taken out of context and it's making it sound like her idea of self-care is like, if you can afford to go to the spa or whatever. Yeah. And I'm sure Three that's not what she week. meant. Because self-care can be found in like the littlest of things. Right? Yes, yeah, self, I agree. Self-care for me is like, I'll ride the Peloton. Yeah, that's which, both of you. Or you share a, the same. Get a bike. Yeah. Or like I play softball because it helps me turn my brain off. That's self-care. Mm-hmm. So do you think though that that's toxic if that messaging is being pushed like self-care is important? Do you think that when someone has certain privileges in their life that they should keep them to themselves because it could affect other people negatively? Or do you think it's good to share the things you do regardless of how they land on people? I mean, I think it's fine. Like, I think authenticity is most important. And Mm -hmm. if your authentic version is beyond means of other people, like... You shouldn't have to hide that. You shouldn't have to hide it, but it's also fine for people not to be able to relate to you anymore. Totally. Mm. And just unfollow them. Because what are we we're talking? This is like a social media conversation. I don't know. For the most part. I don't know. I, don't know. I didn't think of it as well. People, sh- I think it's that there is a culture of like the health and wellness and self care and all this. And it has become an industry in itself. I think there's more value coming to it than anything I do too. else. Like, the fact that people are trying to prioritize self-care in whichever version right. they can afford is more valuable than the people that are going to feel bad because they can't right. afford right. this version of self-care. But do you feel, coming, at, coming you, at me, do you feel that there's a difference between sharing truthfully your experience? Like you guys plug your cars in, right? You talk about the charger for your cars. We know to have a car that you plug in, you're living a certain lifestyle, correct? No? hmm Do you see a difference between authentically sharing your experience and flossing? Yeah, of course. 
Okay. Well, you. I don't. I. I. I you're the anti floss. I yeah. know. You have, <laughs> I know. You have your own brand. Like you're not going to talk about certain things that are going to make you unrelatable to your audience. You have. There's an awareness of who you're talking to. But I'm also genuinely something. the type of person that would rather go to like a dingy coffee shop. You know what I mean? Than some fancy. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's in, true. It's right. my not DNA. To like I'm that's not, not her trying to relate to people. That's but, just true. who I am. But if you're posting about a vacation, yeah. like you're not taking photos from first class that you're probably flying. Not necessarily. She but would never mostly. do that. You would. Oh, never. I would. Ne- no, I would. Yeah. Never so do I'm, that. I mean, like saying. you have an awareness of who follows you or who is looking to you or. What there's what an this awareness. Going to say. There's just a general awareness. It doesn't necessarily mean I have an awareness of who's following me. It's just I have an sure. awareness about what, life. What and is going to come off what, weirdly because you know what? I'm an overly considerate person, and that borderlines sometimes like the people pleasing, which I could do better with. But I don't really see you as a people pleaser. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you try to people like, please me. So please yeah, me know. once. <laughs> Oh. Every time that comes you're up, like I'm like, my little is, brother, is, who I'm just always like, fucking Rob. <laughs> you're, it's, you're a contrarian, is what I've, I've noticed. That is a projection. You need to back me up here. I'm scared. Yeah, you better I'm do what scared. she says. I'm scared. I better do what she says. Otherwise, you're going to you out. We've talked about this. You're not a contrarian no. to me. You are to Rob, though. But he is to both of us. He is to both of us. Depending on the day. Most days. Depending on the thing. Most things. <laughs> Do you find yourself more contrary with certain people than others? Yeah. So we're the Absolutely. most. People I'm comfortable with. Uh, I feel comfortable voicing my opinion He's more. He's super comfortable with us. <laughs> super from day one. This was a compliment. I don't see any problem <laughs> From here. day one. He was like, I don't care what you think you're wrong. <laughs> my brother thinks I'm very contrary. And I've admitted to him I am. With, with him. him. With you. Right. Yeah. Correct. I think, because my brother and I, we're very similar in our relationships with our brothers. Yeah. It's because anything I would say growing up, anything I ever, he's always like, you don't know what you're talking about kind of thing. Right? Right. So I think that has like trained us to just be contrary with them and like, you know, because they push our buttons. Snap back. Yeah. But here's the thing. I think it has to do with alignment of views or taste. Like for instance, if he wants me to put Chipotle Tabasco on my burrito and tells me it's going to be fire, I may not like the taste of Chipotle. I hate Chipotle. Thank you. See, if if you told me- The flavor. The flavor, not the restaurant. Not the restaurant. No, the the flavor. flavor. You know? So it's not like I'm trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to be contrary. I don't like Chipotle. Right. So, but it, so is there someone that could recommend that to you that you wouldn't be contrary about? If Roy was like, you need to try this, I would try it. Chipotle. I would try it. I would. Yeah. 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 Yes. So it does depend on where it's coming from. It does a little bit. Well, I mean, that's a hard (laughs) case because he's clearly a A food god. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. He knows. So the, the weight of it coming from him is different than your brother. Right. Yeah, but there are I different people bad. you're going to listen to. Yeah, I would never if my brother was like, like, I hate mushrooms. If but my brother was like, 
you have to try these mushrooms. I'd be like, fuck off. I'm not He's literally an authority of food, of food though. Yes. Like, you but put him in the top people, 50 people in the world. On I'm sure if there's food. someone you're trying to impress or well, I don't know. <laughs> they'd be yeah. like, they'd be any- like, Try that, and I'd be like, my favorite mu- mm, mushrooms. <laughs> so when Rachel says she's a people pleaser, <laughs> when you say you're a people pleaser, do you think it's to the people you're close with, or no. just people you don't know? There's okay. There's different tiers and levels, Let's right? Go. There's like the closest of the close, like. We can be 100,000% real no matter what, right? Yeah. I think we can still be polite with each other sometimes though, right? No, we're pretty real. Polite? Like, you'll consider, we're kind to you'll, each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, you'll consider her feelings. We're super nurturing and yeah, kind yeah, and yeah. loving. Right. But I don't like, feel like you people please me. No. Like transitional lenses. No, because like you remember when I- rude about it. <laughs> like remember when you- what? You weren't ready to break up with like your long-term high school boyfriend. Yeah. And you were really going through it. And I was like, oh, you're over it. It's done. And yeah, that, I, was that was not people pleasing. That was being real. Because yeah, you, you were, were over it. People pleasing me. You do not people please me. I know. I don't at people please So that's why I'm trying to figure out this whole people pleasing thing. Who like do who does it apply to? Yeah. Because you talk about it. Are you trying to say I'm two different people? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Sorry. I'm wondering if we can let go of the story that you're a people pleaser. I don't know. It's just sometimes, you know, when you're still in that really like polite phase. You think we are? No. With friends. I don't, but I am still that. I can still be that way. With me. No, you can be considerate. I'm always considerate. And thoughtful, but that's not people pleasing. I just mean like if you're new friends, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't make any of those. I do. I'm just kidding. You do. I do. You do more than me. I do. I used to not. Yeah. Like there was definitely a time where I didn't have to kind of, right? But I'm really happy with the ones that I have made now. You've made good. Because your kids get older and school. I've made very good mom friends and I'm super like grateful and appreciative for them. Yeah. And I'm always considerate no matter what. Mm -hmm. But then there is that like trial not trial period but like there is that period where you're still like no 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 like I'll do that and I'll get the kids and I'll do and you do that too like you would do that too you know what I mean there's like that certain yes yes certain like phase where and it's funny because I talk about one of like my newer friends who's a mom friend from school like we're both like we are such people pleasers. Like we both are like, no, 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 you, no, you, no, you, no, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. And we like laugh at each other. We're like, oh my fucking God. Like we're such people pleasers. We, this is never going to stop. No one's ever going to do anything because we're right. No one's ever going to go in because we're like, but we acknowledge it and we talk about it, you know? And then you get more comfortable and you're like, yeah, pick them up. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you could do that, it would really help me out. Whatever. So there is like that phase, but I, so I do do that, but I'm always considerate no matter what I do do. do. I do do. Okay. But you get that. You'd be the that same exact way. I would. I would. Yeah. So, and we would but do I that. don't think that's problematic, is it? I don't think so. It's only in circumstances like I explained with the curling iron when I was in fourth that's grade. That's problematic. Where you're getting burned. Yeah. Physically, and I didn't say anything. Physically burned. I literally just <laughs> stood there like getting my ear burned like to a crisp. And it was really painful. And I just sat there and didn't say anything. Yeah, that hurts. That's weird. That's it's, like, that's issues. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm. Mm. 
Do you people please at all? Yeah, of course. To who? The people I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I told you like, the masseuse that clown on oh, my yeah. butt. Oh, like, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. Do you ever try and people please the salespeople? Because <laughs> I do. I'll find myself wanting to buy something because I don't want to come. Yeah, across. you don't want to. You don't want to walk in and not get something. That's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I don't. Yeah, I can. I can walk away. You've never felt that, like. Well, I guess it's different because you probably don't have someone like helping you in a store, and you feel like, oh, they've people been helping help me, me I in should... stores, Olivia. I know. I was like, do. what do you what? mean? <laughs> what do you? Wait, what? I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't know. You go and try on a bunch of clothes at a time. Yeah. You do. Yeah. I didn't realize guys did that. You think I just been picking things out Rob of Rob likes and... nice clothes, so yeah, I, I could thought see they, him going. And like, like I thought they like that. order them or something. I mean, I do mostly both. do that now. That's what I thought. And Ooh. then, do you go to Mohawk General? Mohawk? No. No. Mm. What's Mohawk General? Rob, it's near you. Didn't we get him something from there? We almost did, because we were going to pick out clothes for you for your birthday. Actually, that's what I didn't pull the trigger on. Yeah, I could still do that. Yeah, would you cool be weird if we picked out that. clothes for you? No, you would trust us, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we know one thing we can do. <laughs> That's what we were going to do. I know. What happened? Us. There, was, what there happened. was a reason. Like, we were deciding between three you different things. You were on vacation for two months, and then... I was traveling. She was traveling. We've definitely been <gasps> gone. So much traveling. Some so go. much traveling. Rob is really good at bowling. I wouldn't say really good at bowling. Oh, you no. have... I think you're really you good at bowling. You do the, like, spin thing. Only good bowlers that, like ha- like, bowl... Do the spin thing and actually like knock him down. He was trying to teach me and I didn't learn. What happened? I was. She just stopped doing what I told her to do. My body started hurting. Like, you know, (laughs) it it can be painful. It can get get sore. You just went back to using two hands. Olivia does use two hands through her legs. Like, did you see Nicole doing it though? Yeah, I did. Sure did. And she was fucking slaying. That was only because of her nails. She, first bowl was normal. She doesn't have to throw normal. Yeah, she knows how to, but then she was like, this is Do you is feel bomb. pressure going bowling if you're like with people you don't know super well and like you go up in front of everybody and you're like, but, mm, did you feel pressure? I knew the people that. He was in the lane with us. With you guys and Nicole. That's true. So. My it brother like won a trip a to Vegas. He my brother got a turkey and won a trip to Vegas. And guess what? Told my mom that night that he won a turkey. And a trip to Vegas. I get a text from my mother. I get a text from my mother and she goes, John won a turkey and a trip oh to God. Vegas? <laughs> Brandy and I died laughing. That's amazing. She genuinely, she's like, where's the turkey? <laughs> the exciting part though about him winning that trip to Vegas is that it was like, okay, if you get three <laughs> strikes, you're going to Vegas. He had two. And we're all standing there watching. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't just like a random, you want a trip to Vegas. No, it was like it was the like, pressure yeah. of all of us watching. And then he did it and we got to like all be in it together. And that was exciting. I would have failed on, because I don't do well under pressure. As you like, would have failed because you, you probably can't get, can't three, get strikes. three strikes. No, I mean, I mean that last one moment, like if you had to get that strike. If it was like strike, oh, right. yeah. hit a pin and you'll win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You would have just it would have, like it, it, it would have been lane. like three lanes over. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear what your brother had them say? Oh, Olivia. Do tell. 
No, do tell. Nope. Did you hear what he had him say? No. <laughs> he had him say his graffiti name. Well, no. This no? is what happened. It's not his a graffiti, graffiti name. It is, but okay. There was a graffiti. He used a graffiti name in his bowling name, and they pronounced it wrong. Oh. So he went up and corrected them. Yeah, but then they also said like. Where then he, he also was included from. the crew name. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia and I looked at each other. We were like, we died. We were like, oh no. Why oh why does this feel like high school? And then there was like a bunch of different people there and I got scared for a second. <gasps> oh, because like, you're trained. I'm trained. To, like they, those are another like, crew. They're gonna come like yes. <laughs> was were the graffiti gangs violent between one another? Yes. Of course. Well, some. Yeah, absolutely. Crews weren't like, oh, you're from that crew. Cool. It'd be like where are you from? They they're just doing graffiti, or they're doing other things. Graffiti, That's graffiti it. crews did not jive with each other unless they were affiliated crews. But I mean, like when you say graffiti crew, this are they also explaining this to Rob? I had a sh- are they also like selling drugs? I guess no, it's, no. Like, it's this literally not just what we're graffiti. talking about. We're talking graffiti. about yeah, like you. It's a very like prideful thing. Mm-hmm. Like whatever crew you're from, yeah. Anyways, it was a thing. Hmm. I mean, my brother's an artist, though. He still does graffiti art. It's not like he's in some like. Yeah, he's not tagging crew. the yeah. local high school. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What about but yeah, Olivia and I, we looked at it. We died. Yeah, I, was, I did. I got nervous. I could tell I saw you were all like, all the oh people God. around. And I was like. <laughs> There's a I rumble a about shooting at my house as a teenager. Like, I thought you were going to say the other yes, day. from No, uh, from a graffiti crew in my home. Because of a when painting I was, you had up in the house? No, because it was like one crew showed up and the other crew didn't like that Olivia crew. has a whole other life that nobody knows about. <laughs> Everybody knows now. They sure do. So when people start claiming crews, I start shaking. She had yeah. like PTSD. That's just a little... Because to me, I the crew thing is more like turf. For drugs. And there's like... No. Rob's like, no. when you're a jet, you're a jet, <laughs> jet all the way to the last day. But there's like a financial day. reason why you don't go on someone else's turf. Because... No. This is just... Clout. Mm. Yeah. That's just a, straight... Is it a California thing? I don't know. No, I only grew up in California in the valley. But it was like... <laughs> You these crews got clout and they got their name and fame and, and like the all bigger of that. Crew the bigger and you like, were, the more bombing you did, the more yeah, yeah. whatever, yeah. the more prestigious you were as a tagging crew. I don't know that we had that in Chicago. <laughs> I'm sure you oh, did. Oh, Chicago for sure. A hundred percent. And the other things. But yeah, you know it was gay. I, mean? I remember yeah. we moved into an apartment in Lincoln Square and there were like all these tags going up and the like aldermen left notes saying there was like a turf war going on between the gangs and to like I just keep picturing West Side Story and I'm dying. <laughs> Me too because he's like it's a turf war yeah it's a and turf like, war and yeah. there's like dun dun dun, dun. but there were like shootings dun, dun, dun. and stuff too for that but I'm Chicago, pretty sure that was yeah, Chicago, that was drug sure. related Chicago my goodness yeah no they would things would get gnarly just on names like if someone took someone's name or had the same name, they'd get like beat up and. It was like an like an Instagram handle. It's like an Instagram <laughs> handle. That's exactly OG what it's Instagram like. Instagram handle. That's no. pretty funny. It was the OG Instagram handle because you had your followers. Like it was like a thing. Did they have like a website? Where did they? 
website. Oh, we how, don't even have they computers. F- but they're followers. They're just like going around trying to find their tags. So there would be prestigious places to get up. That's what they call it, right? So like mm. if you got a certain amount of billboards, like let's say one tagging crew got five billboards on Ventura Boulevard and then another tagging crew would go hit up that billboard, they'd be in trouble because it was like that crew mm. already claimed that billboard. Seems like a like Grand Theft Auto challenge. Yeah. Like a video game challenge. That's what it's like, but they're alive and they're jumping up on those <laughs> mm-hmm. billboards. And, they're alive. You know? That well, sounds fun. I mean, we know hey, some people that can take you out. <laughs> it was a good time. It was a time. Did you guys ever tag? <laughs> no. She did. She did. I, she did a lot I as did as a kid. What was your uh, handle? It was Lou. Lou? L-O-U? No, L-U-E. And then Rachel took off the E a long time ago. I'm responsible for that? You're responsible for taking off the E. It was a battle between the friends. Like my original friends yeah. wanted the E. Yeah. And then my new friends in, at the time yeah. wanted to get rid of the E. And I? You and Leah. Decided no e. I never knew that. Wow. You don't use an e, what? right? When I write you, yeah. When you spell Rachel, do you no, use she an e? decided. <laughs> I know. I was like, do I L- say my name? Decided it was L U. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Lou. Like, because if you write Lulu, you're not going to write L U E L U E. That's what I did do, though. Yeah, but we don't do that. See that attitude? <laughs> that one. We changed it. Any Hulehauser. Okay. Yeah. We've covered so much. So much. <laughs> so much. Also, I feel like Roy probably knows a little bit about this stuff. I think he knows more than any what, of us. What's that supposed to mean? Wait, is that bad that I said that? No, Cut it out. Cut it. Cut I'm it. just giving you shit now. <laughs> Why? No, he... He He has tattoos. When I said my you brother was in jail, so he said, that's what's up. Yeah, he did. Like literally, he was yeah. like, "Oh, got it. That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up." Like, no, he's for sure. He's he like, understands. LA, LA. raised homie. I know. I was he trying to make it. you feel bad. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> we'll leave it in. <laughs> She's having fun. I can tell. She likes her little position. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am quite comfortable. Oh, yeah, so you much feel fun. you feel really you feel good right now. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week. Until next week, you get to see our faces again. Bye. Bye.